Christ Community Church is called by the God of all grace for the transforming of life in Middle Tennessee, spiritually, socially, and culturally. Through the power of the gospel, from Franklin to the nations of the world, all for the glory of God. For more information, visit ChristCommunity.org. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. I want to welcome those who are joining us on our live stream as well. I'm Pastor Randy Lovelace, and I serve here as lead pastor here at Christ Community. And uh, we're 10 months into this wild ride. And it is great to be with you this morning as we begin this series this month, Revision. We're going to look at over this month together a new vision, a new course. So I'll get to that in a minute. We're going to do so this morning by beginning with the Word of God. And this morning we're going to begin this series in what is known in the Scriptures as Jesus' high priestly prayer. So if there's one place we want to look to to imagine what is it that Jesus would want for us, what better place to look than the place where he prayed for us? And where we, what we find in that prayer is the call to love that begins by experiencing our love, his love in Jesus. So hear now the word of God, John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that is the message of the apostles. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who you love and have given your spirit. Jesus, you have sent your spirit into the world and you have made for yourself a people, your church, of which we are but a small part. This morning as we gather for worship around your word, prayer and sacrament, along with the church scattered throughout the world, we call on your name through the power of the spirit that you would make us a people for you, Lord Jesus, and for the world for your sake. Equip us, encourage us, mature us, and send us out. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Help the teacher. Amen. For 36 years, this congregation has had a vision statement. It is a beautiful vision statement. You've been served by very able and committed faithful pastors, volunteers, elders, and deacons and deaconesses. You have sought to live it out in this community for 36 years, and you've been through several chapters of which I consider myself a part of chapter three. And I'm grateful for the predecessors that have come before and the ways in which this congregation through these different chapters have been captured by the Spirit of God and through the Word, the beauty and gospel astonishment, as Scotty Smith would say, that has led this congregation to move out into the world to bring the love of Jesus Christ in word and deed here in Franklin, in this region, and around the world. But there are appropriate seasons, and I have believed that this is one of those seasons where we need a regrounding to take all that is good about what we've done before, who God has called us to be in the expression of the gospel as community that this church is, to take that and to say, Lord, where are we going now in this season? This church started 36 years ago in downtown Franklin. This church existed there and then in 2001 moved to 1215 Hillsborough Avenue, Hillsborough Road. What does it look like for this congregation to serve this community and this region and the world now? Some of you who were here in the beginning and a lot of you who were not. And the ways in which the DNA of the character of what Christ has done in and through you has been a progressive, sanctifying, beautifying work of Jesus in your presence and through you and through the word and by his spirit. But we are not the same as we were 36 years ago. The community and the world has changed. And you've called me to serve you as servant and as pastor here. I bring with me a different set of skills, a different emphasis, and I believe it is in conjunction with what God is doing in our midst. And so I bring a different emphasis. You are a people who have been growing and changing. And I believe it's now that we take the opportunity to reground ourselves in who we are, who we belong to, and where are we going? And how are we going to get there? And I believe it's now is the time to reground. And so through lots of conversations with many of you, with our leaders, with our staff, and in a lot of prayer, and I'm grateful to say that was sparked by the relationships that were created on the search team that was responsible for bringing me and Kate here. I came to this conclusion and sharing it with the session, they too, we are presenting this as our new vision statement, honoring and celebrating what is in the past, but saying, Lord, what are you doing now? So this is our new vision statement. You'll see it here on the screen. And it is Christ community. Church exists to make and mobilize disciples of Jesus to love, serve, grow, and renew. Now you might say, hmm, dull, basic, 
simple? Well, this is why we're going to stick to this for a month. Because I believe embedded within this vision statement is a work that God wants to do in and through us. Because I think there are some things that we need renewal in and recovery in to be the people of God Christ wants us to be here and in this region and for the world for Christ's sake. So over this month, we're going to unpack that vision statement. And you'll see those four practices embodied in four verbs, love, serve, grow, and renew. And we're going to unpack those practices, those verbs as a community, understanding that there is a method and a means. That method is discipleship. Discipleship is the lost art that the church has largely forgotten. Worship is a part of discipleship. Small groups are a part of discipleship. Bible studies are a part of discipleship. But all of these things cannot truly carry the freight of what it means to embody the character of Jesus and to make him known in and around our community and around the world. So we're gonna unpack what discipleship is as well. And then beginning next week, during our Sunday school hour, we'll join where you had waffles today if you were able to have those, over in the event center. And for four Sundays, we're going to unpack in more detail where you can ask questions and we can talk about this. By the way, this is a multi-year, multi-phase process. We do not snap our fingers and become what this vision is calling us to. Thanks be to God is the work of his spirit by the word working it out in us for the glory and praise of Christ. So let's begin this morning with love. And before I get there, I want to say a word about the method before we talk about the means. The method which we want to say over and over again that Jesus demonstrates for us how he wants to work his gospel in the hearts of human beings, regardless of where you stand in relationship to Jesus. If you're not a believer and you're here, you need to know there is no other method that Jesus used or uses to draw you to himself other than discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German theologian, said these words, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. What is discipleship? It is this. Discipleship simply means that we labor to live together, to impart by the word and spirit the character of Jesus one-on-one one on three, and it's going to take a long time and by God's spirit and word to develop a culture of discipleship. We are not wanting to be measured by BBB, buildings, budgets, or butts and seats. That is not the measure that the work of Christ is on display. The measure of the work of Christ on display 
is when the character of Jesus is at work in our character, through our lives, through the work of our hands, through the words of our mouths, the character of Jesus is on display. That is revolutionary and not merely a shift in emphasis. And for what purpose? That Jesus would be more beautiful and believable to the world around us. What's important for us to understand about this method is given to us in a very simple question and answer. And in this question and answer, you'll find in Matthew chapter 22, when they wanted to sort of cause Jesus to stumble and they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And so he is actually discipling them and doing and demonstrating his character in the way that he answers them and he's showing them. Here's what he says. To what is the greatest commandment? Jesus responds, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. The law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, let me say this clearly. That is not the gospel. That is the outworking of the gospel. It doesn't start with our love to God. It doesn't start with our love to our neighbor. Those are the outworking of the method of Jesus because he first disciples us by his love, his love. God's love is always the first mover. Thanks be to God. It is the first word. It is the first act. When God called all things into creation, I would argue it is an expression of his love. You know why? Because he said, and when he created them, he called them good. And when he created you and me, he said, tov ma'od, very good. God's love is always the first mover. It is also the animator. It is the power. It is the strength. And it is the goal to which we will one day be in the presence of. For what do the scriptures say in the New Testament? God is Let's say it together. God is love. So the beginning of the story is love. The middle of the story is love. And the end of the story is love. And when that love comes and it works, it begins to work out the character of Jesus in and through us. And only by God's love can you and I begin to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. The method is discipleship that begins and is sparked and maintained by the love of God in Christ. So what is this love? We've, we've already sung it this morning. In a song titled, Reckless Love, here's the chorus. 
Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. What is this love of Jesus that God has put on display by his spirit? Quickly, three things. First, the love of Jesus is radical. But do we believe that? The love of Jesus is radical. It is radical because it is unconditional. Have we become so numb to that phrase that we have forgotten how radical the unconditional love of Jesus really is? Do we know that the love of Jesus means we can't deserve it, we can't position ourselves, we can't believe it enough to ever earn it. And because of that, once we are grasped by that love, we can never leave it. He doesn't let us go. But let's stay on the unconditional part. What conditions do we put on love? Who are the people you love and who are the people you don't? God loves the trailer park as much as he loves the gated community and vice versa. God loves the liberal and the conservative. He loves the Californian as much as he does the person born in Middle Tennessee. God's love is unconditional. He loves the prostitute as much as he loves the Protestant. He loves you beyond all the dumb, hurtful, divisive labels you and I traffic in every day. Who is beyond the love of God in Christ? We, according to the scriptures, in the letter to the Romans, I'm paraphrasing, we cannot see to its bottom. We cannot see to its horizon. We cannot see to its width. God's love is that radical. Because the scriptures say these words, while we were yet his enemies, Christ died for us. Then why do we keep putting God in a box? His love is radical. And as one writer, Rich Viotas said, if the greatest commandment given by Jesus is rooted in love, then the greatest sin and perhaps all sin must in some way be the rejection of this command. This is what, why, it make, why sin is so pernicious. 
Because sin orients us inward. It curves us in on ourselves. And in doing so, sin uproots love, goodness, beauty, and kindness. Do you know it was important for Paul as he wrote the letters to the church at Corinth because they weren't living in this way? He reminded them in the definition of love. And he says, love is patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The love of Jesus is radical. This is our starting point. And when it's our starting point by the Spirit of God through the Word, Jesus prays for his church. <laughs> and when he prays, he says, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That love then as the spark, animator, sustainer, and the goal becomes that which animates and sustains our ministry to one another and to the world around us. Secondly, love isn't just radical. The love of Jesus is rescuing. It frees us from the grips of sin. God's love doesn't merely offer us the work of Jesus on the cross to receive forgiveness. It actually rescues us from the grip of sin, the slavery to sin, and sets us free through the work of Christ. And by faith, we have a new identity. And that identity is an identity that is in the character and the love of Jesus. And in rescuing us, he actually means to progressively make us more and more new. He doesn't leave us where he found us. Thanks be to God. Though sin is still present, though we will until Christ is made apparent and he comes in revelation and in his appearing at his second coming, or we go to be with him. Until that day, we will always wrestle with the presence of sin, but the power of sin has been broken by the rescuing love of Christ, which therefore means that through the greatest act of empathy, God in Jesus didn't merely think about our condition as being entrapped by sin. Jesus took on our condition as a human, yet was without sin. And he loved us and loves us to the very core of what and who we are and rescues us 
from the power and the enslavement to sin. And he teaches us in small and in big ways just how rescuing his love really is. The world, apart from God, is caught in sin. Yet, the good news of the gospel is that we can't save ourselves, we can't work or legislate ourselves away from sin, we can't educate ourselves out of its grip, and we don't overcome it through progressive achievements by moral consistency. Thank you, Pastor Ken, as he rightly said of our hearts. We cannot earn our way any more to God's love tomorrow than we are loved today and it never happens by our own strength. But it rescues because it changes something. Finally, his love isn't just radical. It isn't just rescuing. It is also renewing. And it means this. It means that once we are freed by the rescuing love of Jesus, he means to take us through the method of discipleship in his word, empowered by the spirit to increasingly mature us into Christ-likeness in our character, in our personality, and in the way we live life. Sometimes, as Becca was leading us, sometimes that feels so imperceptible. But thanks be to God, His Spirit works every single day, even in the midst of my brokenness and yours, and is slowly but surely moving us away from what we once were, now been rescued and made new in Christ, and he is renewing us by that same love. This is the beautiful work of the love of Christ. And we have heard that definition of the radical, rescuing, renewing love of Jesus. This is a form of discipleship. I don't know where you are in your trust in Jesus Christ, but I have one sentence for you. Jesus loves you and nothing you can do can shake him from his love for you. If you are a believer this morning and you feel or experiencing as though you're still entrapped by sin, I want you to hear of the renewing power of the love of Jesus. And though it feels hard and you feel trapped, I want you to know that is not the end of the story. Do not believe the lie of the evil one who wants you to believe that you have to work your way back to Jesus because your sin has been paid for. And he loves you. And our prayer is 
that through the work and power of Christ by his spirit through the word, we would be discipled into that love and then by that love freed to share that love with each other and to share that love with our neighbors, whether they are a Buddhist, an atheist, or another believer who goes to a different church. None of it matters. We love as we have been loved. And that love can look like something that you say. That love can be an act of service. That love can be an act of kindness. That love can simply start in your heart tomorrow morning going, that guy at my work, I can't stand him. Jesus, I confess, I want to wring her neck. Help me to love her or him or they as you have loved me. And imperceptibly, powerfully, quietly, and sometimes loudly, as we are changed, the character of Christ is on display for his glory and not ours. So Christ community, I've heard the story of the church over again in many ways, but two things have stuck out through the many different ways that I've heard the story of this church told. Two things, number one, I've been told hundreds of times, I know I'm not the only pastor who have said this from the front, this was the church that ate Franklin. The other one, so-and-so, oh, they used to go to Christ community. God has done much in and through us, but wouldn't it be great that in 10 years, 30 years, that story is made new and that story is that is the church through whom Jesus loved Franklin, along with all the other churches, and may a thousand roses bloom for the sake of Christ and for his kingdom, that this community, that this region, and that the world may know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in his name, shall have eternal life. His love is radical. His love rescues and his love renews. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that by the power of your spirit working through your word, you would make us new. That you would disciple us to be followers of Jesus at the character of Christ in love and service in growth and renewal would be on display for the sake of Jesus and for his glory and for the maturity of your church. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.